Hello and welcome to the Chime 30th Anniversary Podcast, where we are celebrating three decades of dedication to digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime. Each week leading up to our fall forum and our 30th anniversary celebration, we're spending time with a digital health leader who has made a very special impact on Chime and our industry. It's hard to believe this is our last episode of this series. In less than a week, CIOs and Chime members from across the globe will meet in San Antonio, Texas for a three-day conference packed with track sessions, keynotes, focus groups, immersive experiences, and some celebrations and reunion time. So as we prepare for those celebrations, it's only fitting that our final interview be with the person, the man who started it all, who in 1992 envisioned a formal role for CIOs to operate a growing plethora of systems, address modernization, and lead hospital strategic planning, which has led to our modern health IT. He's the founder of Chime, executive and in residence at Harvard Medical School Executive Education, former senior vice president of population health at Cerner, and a CIO beyond belief at several organizations. More importantly, he is one of the dearest friends to Chime and to me, as well as a dear mentor. Please welcome to our program, Dr. John Glasser. Welcome, John. Thank you, Russ. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, John, uh, over the last few months, we've spent quite a bit of time reflecting on this last 30 years, this past that we've had together, and also even talking about the present state of, of where we've come to in such a short period of time. Um, and, and as we really kind of think through this this, this process, and, and you're even going to have an opportunity to do it from the stage. We have this session, this, this important keynote panel session called the, the Past, Present, and the Future. As you think about this you know, this role of the CIO that's lasted over 30 years and really now even into the next 30 years, you know, I, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on, on where things are going, how things are moving forward in it, for our CIOs and for our Chime members. Well, Russ, I'm looking forward to the panel uh, next week. I've been saving up my best knock-knock jokes for that, so I'm sure we'll have an engaging conversation with our colleagues and our members, uh, et cetera. No, I, I think it's an interesting time, and it's a, a unique opportunity to reflect on what's happened in the last 30 years and what may very well happen in the next 30 years. And you think about it, Russ, I mean, it's just a stunning amount has happened in 30 years. So, you know, when Chime was founded, you know, Google didn't exist. Amazon didn't exist. Or business and personal use of the web was and here and mobile devices didn't exist and AI was kind of a curiosity not part of the mainstream conversation today and you know electronic health record adoption was in the single digits uh, amongst only in really academic places etc and we were still in early stages of you know value-based care etc and frankly you know the CIO was the lone wolf uh, in the boardrooms in the C-suites talking about IT you know the board didn't get it the CEO CFO etc etc didn't get it um, and you fast forward to today and a lot has changed. You know, we've got a lot of clinical systems. We have the technologies, major, major advances, but we also have, um, you know, leadership levels that are much more sophisticated and knowledgeable about uh, IT. And so IT in a way has come from being, you know, the, the lone wolf, the talented person uh, helping IT happen to becoming more of a team sport. 
And I think as you know, you look at the next 30 years, and you know, obviously it's really hard, perhaps it's impossible to, to know, you know, what will really happen in the next 30 years. I suspect that if you and I were in a chime board meeting 30 years ago, what we wouldn't have said to each other is say, you know, in 15 years the iPhone's going to be here. We should get ready uh for this. <laughs> you just don't know, you know, about these dislocations. I do think, Russ, there's probably one key thing that we ought to pass on to the community. <clears throat> And that is, um, you know, as you look at just the pace at which digital technologies are forming the foundation of industries and companies, you know, transportation and uh, financial services and entertainment and the pace of change, which is accelerating. One of the things I think the CIO has to do above and beyond step up their own game, you know, become increasingly better at strategy and forming teams and, you know, dealing with implementations is make sure the organization is better. Um, if you look at digital transformations and why they succeed, and most don't, and when they succeed is because the organization was very good at managing change and was very good at innovating and very good at forming partnerships. So I think one of the major, perhaps the major challenge for the CIO going forward is not just that they're better, but that their organization is better. And that's a tall order to cause all that to happen. Well, you know, it, it's going to be interesting times to say the least. And, uh, you know, we, we, you're, you're getting in the same place. I'm getting close to you actually in, in, in that point in career where we can get to maybe watch and look back a little bit. And I think yeah. that'll be fun. So what do you see, Russ, when you look back, what do you see, what do you look for, you know, see coming up, you know, see, you know, I, I always like answering your questions, big guy, uh, but I, you know, now it's an opportunity. We got you and you're in front of everybody here. So, and I know that Callie and colleagues can censor stuff, but they wouldn't dare because I'm going to ask you these really tough questions and you're going to be brilliant and illuminating in your response. But what do you see coming I think the tables just got turned on me here a little bit, but <laughs> hey, you. you know, you this go. isn't That's the first the time you, this isn't the first time you've done this to me on stage or in a recording, John. So I, I'll take it from here. You know, I think it is an interesting place that we are in history. And I think as, as you, you, you obviously spend a lot of time in very large academic and, or, or really these large institutions like Harvard and I teach at Columbia and a couple other places and it's interesting, these conversations that are going on now with this concept of maybe we really are entering into a fourth economic revolution yeah. and that that maybe we're leaving the information age and entering into something new and different, which which really can be marked by some chaos and disruption and things we've always held sacred being perfect. And, and you gave examples, you know, who would have ever thought that the giants of healthcare uh, IT would uh, emerge to be things like Google and Amazon. And, and though Microsoft was big because of Office, not big as in a cloud provider. And there's so much coming at us now in different ways that I think we're going to have to rethink the game. And I don't say that to be demeaning to the care that's being provided, but the traditional model of healthcare is going to dramatically change. And a fundamental part of that DNA sequence of that change is going to be digital health. And I specifically am not using the word IT because I think this concept yeah. of changing the way the fundamental care is being delivered. Yes, we will always have amazing human beings treating and caring for human beings. And I don't think digital technology is going to replace a doctor, but it will dramatically change the way a doctor, she or he does their job. It will dramatically change the way she or he provides nursing. It'll dramatically change the way a hospital administrator runs their health system. And I think it may not even be one unique technology. It may be thousands that revolutionize the way care is being provided. 
our leader is going to be right on the forefront, but I think they're going to have to lead from the tip of the spear rather than trying to push the end. Yeah. Well, I think that's fair, Russ. I mean, if you look at, you know, major technologies that have shaped our lives, you know, like the automobile or the printing press, et cetera, you know, they always start off by substitution effects. So the automobile replaced the horse and the printing press replaced a room full of monks, you know, with quill and press. And after they did that, all of a sudden there are these brand new radical business model and real revolution. So you had modern universities coming out of the printing press and, you know, you could really educate folks across the board and the automobile, you had suburbs, the modern vacation industry. So we, to your point, you know, maybe at this age where we're kind of done with phase one of the digital stuff, kind of replacing, you know, writing orders or documenting care. It doesn't mean we've solved it all uh, well, uh, but on to the next one, which is really hard to foresee uh, and hard to plan for. So how do you think Chime ought to, you know, how do you think Chime is helping people? What's Chime doing to help people get ready for this sort of roller coaster that we're, we're probably in the early stages of? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the, the things we've done well, and again, you've been on the forefront of the development of these, and even back to when I was one of your students back in the old IME, the Information yeah. Management Executive Program back in the 90s, the, the fundamentals of how we educate and help people, I think, still stay the same, which is we have to help people, whether that's through the now well over 3,700 students that have graduated our boot camp programs, the boot camp itself still stands as a, as a great program to allow leaders to develop to for CIOs themselves to come, but also to send their developing teams. But the curriculum and the content of that has to change over time. Now, maybe some of the fundamentals stay the same, that we still te teach relational leadership. We still teach value realization. We still help people in change. But one of those fundamentals that I know we've talked about recently is we, we still will always need great change management, but the concept of change leadership, of helping human beings adapt, change, and move forward in life in a radically different way is a skill set that still most people in healthcare don't have. Actually, I would say most people in general don't have because it is a period of sometimes loss and mourning, even though we know we may be going to a better place. And so I think programs like the boot camp. I know when we do our forums, we've got to think differently than we ever have in helping people. But now even this vast new arena of helping people with digital tools in a digital environment. And we just recently launched and now have, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300,000 people in our DHX community, which wow. allows them real time person-to-person -person sharing collaboration of, you know, hey, John, I, I've got a problem here. Hey, group, I've got this thought. What do I do with it? And this ability to do real-time problem solving, real-time brainstorming, I think is much different than we've ever had before. It's always been one-on-one -on -one in a great way with people like you and I. Well, I think that's fair, Ross, and I suspect it increased, you know, there's always been a premium on relationships, you know, that you have with your colleagues. And I think one of the great strengths of Chime is that it fosters and encourages, enables people to have these relationships. But boy, when you get the pace of change accelerating like it is, and the stress level that comes with that, um, is having those relationships that you can turn to to say, what about this? Or how about that? Or frankly, just to, you know, put their arm around you and say, it's going to be okay. Uh, things along those lines, along with, as you point, uh, picking up the pace as we go through. So when you look at this, Russ, I mean, part of what I guess, you know, as you as we sort of help people, you know, do well in this environment that's coming, 
is to point to people who uh, are exemplars of leadership. You say, boy, you know, when you when you need to draw strength or you want to have a role model, this person, you know, or these people you might turn to. Who, who would you say have been the, the leaders who who've, um, really shaped you? Well, I, I'll start, obviously, John, and this isn't it wasn't a setup question by you by any means, but I'll start with you. Uh, I still remember my very first day and sitting in that very first chair in that first IME class, and you were one of the first speakers, and I went, there's no way in the world I'll ever even be that kind of human being. And I talked to you after that first class and he said, no, you, you can do this. You can you can focus on this. And you've been there since day one. I think in the 30 podcasts that we've done, I bet you at least in two thirds, you've been mentioned uh, by people, even younger leaders that are new in their career mentioned you as, as somebody they can really follow. Because I think you've been a thoughtful giver. Uh, I believe in this life, there are takers and there are givers. You've always been a giver. How you have found the time, how you have found the ability to, to prioritize family like you do, but yet at the same time, give, give, and give to so many people. I think a testament to a leader's career is who they leave behind that's continuing to lead. lead. And you have thousands of people, thousands. Uh, I hope I have impact hundreds, but boy, you have impacted thousands, John. It is we, the entire industry owes you a debt of gratitude because I, I, I can't imagine probably half the CIOs in this country, if not nearly all of them, uh, are a beneficiary of you and your knowledge. So without a doubt, thank you, John, for everything you've done. Thank you, Russ. Don't sell yourself short, big guy. Um, you know, I think, you know, the impact you and through whether you directly or you through Chime have had across, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of individuals, this whole industry uh, is is very, very significant. And I, I think, you know, I had the opportunity last week, actually, in introducing Clem McDonald, who, you know, you know of and I know of as being one of the leaders in medical informatics. Um, and I took the opportunity to thank Clem because I remember being a student listening to Clem talk at a panel at and thinking, I want to be like that guy, uh, and how he was a role model and inspiration. So it's a classic, you know, uh, uh, carry forward or whatever, uh, give to those. I always used to think, Russ, that when you pass from this planet, and we all will, one mark of whether you've had a great life lived is how many people are saddened when they hear that you've left. Uh, et cetera. And the larger the number, the, you know, the better off that uh, you've been, et cetera. But who else would you put in that list, Russ? I can't be the only one. Who else would you put? Yeah, You know, one of your fellow instructors back there in IME was uh, Ed Kapetsky. And, yeah. you know, I always thought, John, you were the great encourager and Ed was the great kick me in the butt guy. You know, Ed, Ed, <laughs> well, Ed, good. Somebody's Ed, got to do it, Russ. Oh my goodness gracious. And he still does it this day to this yeah. day. He, he, he never, let me rest in my laurels. I mean, he would always say, Russ, what are you doing next? What's the next job? What are you going to push on? What's the big initiative right now? He was always, you know, and he is still a caring and compassionate human being. He, he always has been that way. But wow, he always placed me in the toughest right up into the edge of breaking situations. I never oh, directly good. worked for him, but he always, he was always a great chess player manipulating little pieces. And again, another person that you look around and go, wow, there's so many leaders that are beneficiary of him. And yeah. he's the one that introduced me to Skip Hubbard when I was in the oh, military. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I need someplace to do a military residency with as part of my fellowship. And he said, you're already in the St. Louis area. You got Skip Hubbard. And, and Skip gave me these chances. And eventually I went to go work for Skip many years later. Yeah. And he was the same thing. I still remember the day that Skip 
pushed me to the point where I said, either this is going to be a monumental point in my career or I am dead. This is yes. it. I, I'm going to quit. He, he moved me to another organization, actually demoted me in position title, even though he said it's because that's the only title they have there. He said, but you're going to learn so much in the next two years. You'll be in your own CIO job. And I went, you're demoting me? That sounds crazy. That's all I heard. Uh-huh. I'm so mad at him. But then I look back and go, wow. He put me in a position of success, even against my own will. And in the end, he was absolutely right. Because two years later, I'm on to my next job. Yeah. Another guy named Dr. Roland Stacy, uh, who was the CIO, a CEO that I went to go work with in Colorado uh, in that first CIO job of only my own. And he said, I don't know anything about this IT stuff, but you know what? You're a military leader. You know how to lead. Just go lead it. Figure it out. You know, it sounds like you, John. He's like, just go figure it out. You know, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. You make mistakes. But he was always great. I still have a list it's somewhere written down of what I call uh, Staceyisms in which, in which, you know, they would, they would truly, truly um, be these thoughts that sometimes seem so simple, but also so realistic uh, and things I should do. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention probably one of the greatest leaders I've got to spend time with. And that's my wife. She's seen, oh, great. Great. Artist, largest ministries in the world. Um, she, she, how she does it and balanced being a mom and doing all the other stuff she's ever done. Just like you, we married so far out of our, our pay grade. I mean, it, it, we, we are blessed with amazing people in our life, yeah. but our spouses are really those people that have held us together. And she's the one that kicked my tail one time to tell me to quit being an introvert. You got to start doing other things. Yeah. So there'd be so many other names and I'd be remiss. To, you know, I couldn't, say them all but those are just some people that were really special in my life that's great russ that's great and i think you know one sort of extracting from that a lesson to all the leaders who are listening to this one is the fact that you're in a leadership position means that you have the obligation frankly to turn around and influence others just as russ has been influenced and i have been influenced etc so that's part of what comes with the territory uh, the second is you look at your own career and you say who has influenced me just as russ has described thank them before it's too late make sure they know uh, what they have meant to you. And I just think you ought to take the time to go off and to do that. And then the third point, and then I got a question for you coming up here, Russ, is I think, you know, all of our leadership styles in some ways are a composite of the styles of others. So you'll be in a meeting and say, wow, that person really, I really like the way he or she handled that. I want to do that. And so it becomes part of your style. Or you say, boy, that was appalling. Yeah, that was really, oh, I don't ever want to do that. So you say, I'm going to sort of make sure that's not part of my style. So there's part of your personality. But there's also, you know, just watching, go into these rooms and watch people you admire and just see how they operate and what they do and say, I want to, I'm going to borrow, steal, uh, whether they know it or not an aspect of what they do and that becomes how you sort of frame your own leadership approach um etc so anyway russ i got a question for you because obviously you know you mentioned the ime and the boot camps etc um you know one of the things that was i think pretty instrumental and pretty important foundational frankly for me uh when i was teaching at the boot camp and in the ime was the boson theory and i i just want to make sure you remember that theory and that uh, i just curious about how that sort of shaped your career and your life uh uh in the years that followed <laughs> oh john the good old boson theory but i i john i think it's gone well past theory i think it's a proven principle now, yeah, yeah. It? Yeah. 
And so uh, do, do, I, I completely remember it, but do you want to give just a short synopsis of what the boson principle, I think we should therefore from this point forward be referring to it as the boson principle. You want to give a quick yeah. explanation? Yeah, or, you know, the, yeah, or axiom in mathematics, that means there's a, you know, kind of a truth here. Um, but anyway, it's a basic idea. And uh, I remember noticing this when I was in my early career consulting is that smart people who spent time with stupid people turn stupid themselves. Um, and it was permanent damage. It's not like you'd had too much to drink one night and for a day you felt bad but you were back in action this question is why what happened you know what did the stupid people do to these smart people and the answer is they emit this lightweight particle called a boson it travels in very irregular motions and the boson penetrates the skulls of smart people and turns them stupid and you may have wondered where the word bozo came from well that's where it came from the boson so i thought wow that's just this is scary because you know in your career you're going to spend time with stupid people there's just no way around it um and we got to protect you because you know smart people are the asset that's going to make all this stuff that russ you and i've talked about really happen it's got to keep everybody smart refreshed etc so we came up with this um we call a boson deflector and essentially he says we uh and the early or boson detector first then the deflector and the detector early forms it look like a Geiger counter and you put the panel to somebody's forehead and that was a little awkward because they would say what are you doing so well I'm trying to determine how stupid you are because clearly you're stupid um and you get this reading on the on this counter you know, you know, is way off in the red zone, et cetera. So that was the early way to just to detect it. And now we have these plugins for the iPhone or your Google uh, device or your Samsung device that will allow you to sweep a room and from 150 feet away detect someone emitting a lot of bosons. So even when you know that they're emitting them, you say, I still got to spend time with them. You know, I, I mean, I can't help it. Um, so how do I protect myself? And we came up with the boson deflector. And the early versions look like tinfoil wrapped around your head. And it was kind of awkward to explain. You say, what's the deal? with a tinfoil. I said, well, because you're a moron uh, and I'm just trying to protect myself. So more recently, they look like uh, I, you know, ear pods, uh, et cetera, the little earphones you put in there where they create a shield around your head to protect you from the boson. So anyway, that's one of the things we want to make sure that all CIOs are aware of is, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to be spending time with stupid people. Some are in your organization, some are in the, you know, the, you know, the vendor community, some are just, you know, people neighbors, for example, and you just got to take care of yourself. Now, Russ, I'm, for, I'm much older than you are. And one of the things that occurs to me is I, you know, sometimes forget stuff. I forget people's names or where I put the keys, et cetera. And I say, what's going on here? Prolonged exposure to bosons, man. You know, is it a stadium or on a subway car sitting next to someone who's an idiot? Uh, showering me and I just didn't know it. So anyway, I want to make sure, and I frankly, you know, I've been encouraging, although, you know, you guys have yet to do this, is that Chime has a, you know, set of uh, giveaways, boson detectors and deflectors that ought to be available at every Chime forum because you never know uh, whether someone snuck in there uh, who is just sort of irradiating the place and really damaging the profession. Well, it's interesting, John, you say that because I literally got a new set of uh, earbuds yesterday and on the back box, it says, it says right on here with new advanced noise suppression and canceling. I think that actually means boson protection. Well, that could be, Russ, is part of the packaging. So I hadn't thought really, about that. Really They're hoping. very clever. You know, there was an incident, there was an incident in my life, well, a period of time in my life where I was actually really worried about this, John. It was, it was actually <laughs> while my kids, while my kids were from about the age of 14 to 20, in which they were conveying to me that I might not be the smartest human being on the earth. That really? What I think, and that maybe I was losing it. Now, what I did discover is later on that maybe it was actually them that was exposed to the bosons. And so... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But more importantly, I think you and I have been blessed to be uh, exposed to a lot more people 
that are not oh. emitters of bosons than uh, that truly are great people. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we, we've got a lot to do in healthcare and a lot to do in our proving our ability to be effective at applying the technology to this. And I think the thing that gives me, you know, a lot of comfort that we'll do that or is one is how much gains we've made in the last 30 years, you know, collectively, you know, it hasn't been easy, been slower than we like, but nonetheless, you look back at th where we were 30 years ago, where we're today, so we've made progress, et cetera. And then you look across the forum as you and I will do, you know, next week and say, geez, there's an awful lot of talented people and committed people here. You know, we won't get it all right, but golly, you couldn't ask for a more, a better set of leaders to make all this stuff happen. And, and they're also, so, you know, your point, they represent organizations where there are other leaders, the chief medical officers and nursing officers and financial officers, et cetera. So you say there's a lot of really smart, committed, uh, skilled people being applied to this thing. So we'll make progress. And that's good. You know, it will go beyond my tenure, perhaps beyond your tenure, but that's OK. Uh, each of us will make a contribution that stands on the shoulders of others. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, John. So when you think about this, uh, what are you most excited about, Russ, coming forward? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of things. I think um, as, as we look into next week's event, I'll be short term, I'll be long term on this. I, I think next week I, I we've got some of the old timers coming back, for lack of better term, um, and I think it'll be great from a relational perspective. I, I still think not everyone has emotionally uh, healed from a period of three years of isolation. You go, well, it's only three years, but you think about it as a percentage of your life, it's a significant yeah. chunk. And I, for some, this is even now is their first real adventure out, for lack of better terms. And I think uh, the family needs time together. And, you know, that's one of the things I try to lead from is I try to lead from a familiar perspective, meaning I, I just believe in the family. I believe in the unit. And, you know, not every family is always healthy. You, you have your crazy uncle occasionally and some dysfunctional behavior. But I think in the end, you know, a family's a family, and we need those people to come together uh, next week in a meaningful way. Uh, yes, we'll have great education. Yes, we'll have some great thoughts, all those kinds of things. But we also need a chance to recharge our emotional batteries. Yeah, good point. And, and I think that's important. Yeah, it's a fair point, Russ. I mean, it may be the time or a centerpiece of the time. I just remind ourselves that we're all part of a community, you know, in a community that comes together, supports each other, learns from each other, has a good time together. Etc. But you know those communities are hard on Zoom. Uh, they're not. They're you know obviously the way to do it is you bring everybody together just as you're doing. So I think that's a it's a great point, Russ. It's just to reestablish uh, in a way the community that we are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think the other part of this as we look forward and to our to our chime friends, family, and and really to the industry as a whole is is you know what what do we need to do to be successful moving forward and it was interesting as i've thought quite a bit about this is it's not about technology i mean you said that for years and it's really not even about administering hospitals and care it it really does come down to some basic principles of being a good human being that that you've conveyed forever and so many people we know are great examples of that but not everybody and one is being a giver, not a taker. And, you know, whatever the right ratio is, if it's 10 to one or 100 to one or whatever the right is, if you're constantly striving to give, your, your tank will fill up much better by giving than taking. And I don't think some people realize that some days is that, you know, you actually get much more out of life when you're a giver versus a taker. 
and and a principle that means something to me both personally spiritually emotionally is you know love one another even when they're misbehaving or treating you like crud and complaining about the silliest little things which will only get about a thousand complaints next week about something you know just realize they're going through a tough time you never know what they're why they're really mad at you they may have nothing to do with they didn't get a hot cup of coffee at that moment it may be they're just going through a horrible place in life and we need to love one another well i think rest of always go ahead well i think the last thing is this and and i think you always challenged everybody I ever heard you talk to, but most importantly, you, you you occasionally kicked me a little bit in the tail occasionally with this. And that is don't ever be afraid to fail. And, and, you know, I remember you one time said, Russ, if you work your tail off, you do the best you can, you get fired. Oh, well, at least you worked your tail off and, and you try to do something important. And I think we've got to be bold right now in this industry. We've got to challenge status quo. We've got to make a few people mad as we move along for the industry to thrive the way it should moving forward, or we'll be replaced by the next level of disruptors. And I think we've got a chance to really make something important happen in this industry. Well, I think Russ, a couple of things. One is, you know, as uh, you know, we've talked about, I do think we need to be bold. Uh, the members, we all need to take risks. Our organizations need to take risks. And to your point, what's the worst that can happen to you? You get fired. Now, nobody loves that when that happens. And there could be you who stings and maybe you worry about, well, golly, what happened to the income, et cetera. But man, in the scheme of life events, it's pretty darn modest. Not even close to having a sick child, you know, or a marriage that's in a bad place, et cetera. So, you know, people recover and recover very well from that. So don't be worried about the downside of that. Concentrate on the upside because it's the upside that matters. I also think to your other point, um, when you lead, people give you permission to lead them. You can't, you know, you, you can try to force them to be, you know, be led, but then you're likely to either sandbag you or walk out on you. But it, those who are really committed say every day, I'm going to let Russ lead me or I'm going to let John lead me. And you say, well, why do they do that? And the answer is a lot of reasons. But at the end of the day, because they believe that you care about them and they believe that you're trying to do the right thing and that you will help them grow and prosper, et cetera. So I think that is an act of giving and an act of, um, you know, letting them just recognizing with some humility, it's a voluntary act on their part. And they do so because they believe in you uh, and the organization and the work that they're doing. I mean, it's not single, just you, uh, but it's a number of factors. But never forget that. Uh, never forget to your point that it is the giving to them uh, and helping them uh, thrive and do all the things they want to do uh, that creates great teams. Well, John, I uh, I think that would be a great way to end this podcast and uh, that you completely and totally hijacked from me as usual. But that's... Uh, <laughs> well, most- <laughs> finally snuck it in here. I've been waiting all year long for this moment. Uh, yeah, you, you, are, you are... you Again, it's not the first time you've done it and I have a sneaky suspicion it won't be the last time. But John, uh, well, this is a great way to end our, our 30 weeks of celebrating coming up to our 30th anniversary. And most importantly, John, thank you for who you are for our industry, for, again, the legacy that you've created, the legacy you continue to create, and really just the great friend and mentor you are to so many people in our industry at Chime Industry and, and me in particular, John. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. And I look forward to seeing you and all of our colleagues uh, next week. Absolutely. Hey, thank you listeners for taking the time to join us on this final episode of our Chimes 30 for 30 podcast series. As always, you can visit us on Spotify or chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all of our podcasts from great healthcare leaders. 
Continue to innovate, transform, and create that positive change we just talked about. We need to advance and improve health and care throughout all the communities we serve. We look forward to seeing you next week in San Antonio. Stay safe and God bless.